Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The trustees for the Kawartha Pine Ridge District School Board recently released a strategic plan for their term in office. At a glance, The document is very short, with sweeping expressions of what they hope to achieve. On today's show, the chair of the board, Jane Klassen-Jeninga, is going to take us behind the plan to explain what is going on. She will give context and flush out the details. Most importantly, she will give insight into how the board's goals will be measured and achieved over the next four years. Plus, She will explain how the school board will deal with the rising pressures seen across the country by parents and provincial governments when it comes to gender identity and how the local board hopes to respond to these concerns. I'm so pleased to have with me today Jane Klassen-Jeninga, the chairperson of the Kawartha Pine Ridge District School Board. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thanks for having me. What is the purpose of a strategic plan for the school board? So the strategic plan is, the purpose of the strategic plan is to give the board um, a roadmap per se as to what the priorities and um, the priorities and to some extent the obligations of the board and the administration team and everyone who works for the board uh, an opportunity to know what is important to us uh, for the next four years. So a strategic plan happens every four years. Um, and it's actually a part, one of the part of a mandated role of trustees as per the Education Act. How is it different from, say, other strategic plans? I've talked to municipal leaders, I've talked to business leaders, to uh, nonprofits, all of them have a strategic plan. Is there anything different or unique that you think makes uh, a difference to a school board? I would say that you're right. Every organization has a strategic plan. And in in education, per se, this is ours. And I think what is different if, I, I don't know that it's different. I think it's just our way of giving some cohesion to what it is that we do on a daily basis um, and what you know the what what's going to affect our communities the most in in the most positive way that we can project. Let's talk about the plan itself then. In this new strategic plan, one of the priorities is to excel in learning. What are you going to do that is different going forward when it comes to this particular area? Well, the interesting thing about strategic plans and excelling and learning is it's a it's a it's a continuum. It's constantly changing uh, over the course of the next four years, and even even over the course of the next several months, uh, we're constantly being um, given new 
strands of education that we have to, and curriculum, the curriculum changes, I guess that's where I was going with that. We're constantly having to adapt to new curriculum uh, and sometimes on a very short time time frame. It's not unusual to have a curriculum shift, uh, for example, the end of June to implement already in September. We, in, in this case, we know that there are new, uh, new uh, shifts in curriculum that will be uh, in place for September of 2024. And so these roadmaps, the Excel in learning, in addition to we want to improve upon what we're doing, what are we doing good? What are we, what needs to be uh, improved upon? Um, celebrate our successes. That's important as well in, in the Excel in learning. Uh, and ensure that, ensure that our staff and the students are feeling supported in, in this process of learning. Let's just untangle that a little bit because Part of this, obviously, is the uh, provincial government, Ministry of Education, saying, here's new curriculum, which you just described. What are some of the things that you know are coming down the pipe that parents and, and the community should know about that are going to impact the board and impact the curriculum, say, coming following September? So, for example, we know that there are changes coming to um, how we assess uh, reading at, in in our kindergarten to three, JK to actually kindergarten to grade two uh, assessments that are coming out. Um, we know that de-streaming, uh, which has taken place for grade nines, is continuing to move along into grade ten. Uh, and we also know that the that the ministry is adding a tech or technology credit per se to uh, all students who are in grade nine. Um, and this is this is definitely I think this is a definitely positive uh, step in the right direction uh, because it really broadens the horizons of our secondary students as they're trying to uh, begin a path towards what it what it's going to look like after they graduate from high school. So some of those those are some of the immediates. For those who may not understand what de-streaming is, could you just give us uh, the dictionary definition really briefly? Certainly. Up until recently, we've had um, academic streams, applied streams, locally developed streams, and then we have our learning and life skills streams. So academia or academic streams would be those students who we anticipate are going to go on to university. Um, applied streams still give you the option of going into college, uh, but not so much the university stream, but also could head into uh, for example, uh, a trade. Um, that's where a lot of what we assumed our academic students are going into. Locally developed are, are programs that you are going to graduate from high school and you're going to go straight into a workforce uh, with some specific skills that are going to be able to be uh, uh, relevant to an employer the moment you get out of school. And our learning and life skills programs are for those students who for whatever reason, usually there's a medical reason, are, are going to be able to be in our school system, be integrated into our system and, and still come out of the uh, program having had a positive education. In de-streaming, sorry, what? in de-streaming, um, what the government has done is that, okay, we want to continue the model that we've used, for example, in elementary and intermediate school, where everybody continues in math and science and history and geography on the same trajectory. 
There's not, it doesn't matter which, which, uh, which you're going to end up in, 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 uh, in your older grades. What's important is that we continue along this line. And it's also gives us the opportunity for students because when they're 13 and 14 and coming into high school, a lot of them don't know where they want to go. And so they may discover that they've headed into a stream that doesn't fit them. Um, and it's very challenging to kind of reset a grade later. So this gives us an opportunity for everybody to be more of an equal playing field um, and then work their way into what really is important to them as they as they continue their education. As you've talked about this, it sounds to me like these are things that are coming from the provincial government. In the area of excelling in learning, what are you doing locally going forward to enhance or to change things in that particular strategic objective? Within the Excel in Learning, we have options as to how we address each of our our, our uh, different learning, and I and it isn't just it's all through the grades. Uh, it may be how we choose if we we know that there's a certain directive. How we choose to address that directive is up to us. Do we choose to do it with um, uh, utilizing a certain program, for example? Uh, is there is it the opportunity to bring in uh, consultants to help our our teachers across the classroom? Is it taking a look at experiential learning, which means doing things that are outside of a classroom, taking a look at what you can do in real life circumstances and, and convert them into learning within a classroom setting? There are, there are a variety of ways. It sounds all wonderful, but it also sounds very vague. And of course, a strategic plan sets out goals and says, here's the things that we want to achieve. Here are the, 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 the things that we're benchmarking. That doesn't seem to be part of what you've talked about, nor does it seem to be part of what the plan talks about. There's nothing very specific about it. Why is that? Why aren't there specific things that you can say, we're going to be doing this, we plan to do this. This is how we're going to measure it. This is how we're going to benchmark it. Okay, so I think I think there are certain themes that in learning that um, excel in learning that are are always there. So things like academics always have to be in our excel in learning. Um, our instruction and assessments always have to be a part of that. Uh, extracurriculars, the different types of learning pathways, uh, materials, courses, resources, special education, intensive supports. Those are part of the Excel in learning. I guess what changes, what's different is how we approach those. And it and it sometimes is as simple as a classroom by classroom or school by school basis or community by community. Different communities um, uh, have different, uh, have at their fingertips different resources. Uh, if you're in Apsley, for example, uh, you're in a rural setting. So how does your rural setting apply to what you can excel in learning in your school uh, versus a completely urban school in Peterborough, for example, where you are uh, surrounded by uh, buildings and streets and and uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of that that whole entire uh, different realm than you would find in a in a rural school. So using, the, the academics and the instruction and applying it to what's happening in, in schools in each community is, is part of that key Excel and learning piece. All right, but 
the it seems pretty obvious these things that we're talking about and one of the goals that parents uh, identified through the engagement process that you used to create the strategic plan and the provincial government and its stated goals how do you how do you measure the success of whether you've achieved a particular objective within the strategic plan so i would say that those are because those are provincial directives they become our they become keys for us to do as well um, how do we measure? Well, we're going to measure by assessments. We're going to measure by how well are our students um, taking, how are students adapting to these new curriculums? Uh, for example, part of the reading, the right to read report was very clear on what we needed to do as far as trying to get our students into uh, into reading, but not necessarily the old school where, you know, in the old school, you you read a book and you were at level one, now you're in level two, now you're in level three. Those those leveled readings are, are they're a tool, but they're not to be the assessment anymore. We're taking a look at a, a more holistic approach. Um, uh, a holistic approach is to take a look at the big picture um, and utilize more of the everyday things that you see around you. Is it, is it, you know, it may be as, as a field trip to a grocery store and, and read the labels on a, on a, on a, on a can or uh, in a produce section and, and have those conversations. It may be, it may be sit down with a book that identifies certain sounds in, and we're, and in this new reading model, we're, we're going back the, the government's talked about back to basics. And in, in essence, we're doing that. We're going back to phonics. We're going back to uh, taking a look at at all those things that um, are are have always been a part of reading, but we've gone off on, I suppose, on tangents uh, on, on how we read and really going back to trying to find uh, a happy medium that allows students to be successful and uh, take a look at at the assessments from 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 various standpoints. You've already addressed this a little bit, is and that's one of the second things under the Excel of Learning. It talks about the diverse learning pathways responsive to the unique strengths and skills of and all needs of students. And you said that you know it's different in Apsley than in say Peterborough or in Clarington and or in Northumberland, right. and that makes a lot of sense. But for example. What are the current student-teacher ratios on average in your elementary schools? Are there sufficient teachers currently? And are your ratios uh, reasonable enough that the children are getting the attention that they need in the classroom? Uh, I would say we could always, we always need more teachers uh, in, in our classrooms. We could always use uh, smaller ratios. We know students learn better with uh, in smaller class sizes, uh, um, but as part of as part and parcel of of what we have to work with, a lot of those are are numbers, and they're they're provincially directed. So class sizes are not something that we can choose uh, on uh, within KPR. Class sizes are uh, a ratio that are set out for us by the government. So it's how we choose to use our our resources, but it, we, it within that context. We have, um, as a board, we've also committed to having uh, coaches and uh, and extra people in our classrooms. Whether it's it's uh, uh, special education resource teachers, whether it's somebody who comes in once or twice a week to take a look at 
uh, a classroom and say, okay, we need some extra help here. So we've got we've got extra eyes in the classroom. Uh, we also we also our our uh, superintendents of education are hands on. They're in our schools daily to make sure that uh, the teachers are feeling and the educators and the administrators are feeling supported in the classroom. But it's it's a it's a balancing act for sure. Another priority area in the strategic plan is succeed in life. And in this, you note the efforts to meet the recommendations of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Can you tell us how you hope to build on your current efforts through this strategic objective? So this has always been a priority for us since this was addressed in and brought into uh, provincially. We are including, uh, in a lot of our classrooms, you will see uh, posters of the seven grandfather teachings and and uh, being able to recognize uh, those as well as our own objectives is is better for students and it's it's what's good for some is good for all so taking a look at the again the holistic approach that is part of our indigenous uh, teachings and being able to bring that whether it's uh, resources as far as more books, more understanding, more conversation about um, what it is to be a part of uh, a, how to how to um, I guess how to take a look at things like the land, the the areas, and how to how to bring that into the teachings uh, that we do, uh, understanding cultures. Um, understanding that uh, everybody everybody's different and and we but the the things that they bring into the the positive uh, aspects that they can bring into our classes is uh, is something that we can we can embrace. The plan calls for a safe, inclusive environment for students. Yet we are seeing a growing movement by parents and provincial governments related to the role of schools when it comes to assisting students regarding gender identity. How does the school board plan to honor the strategic goal in light of these rising pressures? Well, I think the, I think the, the big piece is about safe and inclusive spaces. Uh, we wanna make sure that everybody feels that they have a home in our schools. Uh, in, in essence, you know, the school is, uh, it's a hub for community it's also where um, children spend seven to eight hours, six to eight hours a day in the spaces. They need to be able to walk in the door and feel that uh, the the adults and the students are accepting of them in regardless of of uh, their gender identity, regardless of uh, their socioeconomic backgrounds. They need to be, regardless of their cultures, all of those intertwine in in uh, various ways, and and we need to we need to take a look and make sure that we are creating spaces that are um, that that where they feel safe and recognized. But with the rising pressure, and the, we see these governments uh, making uh, policy and. and pushing it down. We've seen parents uh, responding locally to uh, what's being done and, and feel that they needed to be included. What is the school board's position when it comes to gender identity? Um, the, so our, we always go back to the Human Rights Commission. What does the Human Rights Code say about what we need to do as far as recognizing uh, 
recognizing each and every person for who they are. Um, so that is, that's always our guiding principle in, in, in how we treat students and staff in, in our board. But parents will also argue that they have rights and that they should be included in the process. How does your board going forward intend to make sure that that's part of that's the case? Uh, we will always sit down with parents and have those conversations that may, and sometimes the conversations can be difficult. We recognize that uh, not everyone is comfortable with uh, with terminologies and and with the way the government is and and including uh, federal and provincial governments on on uh, what what is and is not appropriate in a classroom setting. So again, we sit down with those with those parents. We'll sit on a one to one basis. We've had uh, opportunities where we've had. Uh, uh, webinars or where we've had uh you know where we've had in in uh we've had a parent involvement uh in different schools it it get, it comes at uh at various angles but really it it boils down to uh what what is the what is right for everybody and and what is right for everybody is is uh an individual and 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 sometimes we have to agree to disagree uh, but again, our goals are always based on uh, what does the Human Rights Commission say and how can we and and then how can we support all of those, even even those people who, uh, you know, have have issues or or are not as comfortable with uh, with terminology as as others are. Your final priority is to enrich communities. And here you pledge to enhance accountability, transparency, and evidence-based decision-making. Going forward, how do you intend to improve on what you're currently doing? I think the transparency piece is very important. We we really want everybody to feel that they know what's going on in our school system. We don't want to do things in a cloak and dagger uh, situation, um, whether it's whether it's through our internal system. So we use EDSBE across our school system. We post a lot of our information there. Uh, parents have the ability to take a look at it. Staff have the ability to take a look at it. Students have the ability to take a look at it. And also we're, we, we are constantly adapting um, our website and our home pages so that decisions we're making, uh, not only the decisions, but the processes that we're embarking upon are there for everyone to see. Well, it's interesting you should mention that because when I was on your website, I know you stream, live stream school board meetings and you have a place on your website where people can find minutes and agendas. And yet there's a chart there where people can download the agenda and the minutes, but there's also a spot in that chart for videos, but none of your meetings are posted. So person can't go back and say, if they missed the meeting, watch it on their own time or on their own, uh, on their own agenda. Is this your goal to post your videos to meetings so that people can go back and watch them afterwards? Uh, you can do that now. There is the ability we have, there is a, a Kawartha Pine Ridge District School Board YouTube channel. And in the YouTube channel, there are all the different, if you wanted to watch uh, a program committee meeting from 
uh, November of 2023, you have that option. If you wanted to see the resource committee meeting that we did last night and you were not able to attend or watch uh, live stream it, you can go back and see those. Those have been in place for a, a long time. So if you're telling me what we need to do is have better links on our website, I hear you and we are working on that. On the theme of accountability, you produced an engagement report for the strategic plan. Now, how are the results of that report reflected in the strategic plan? Uh, so, you know, we, we look at, I think they are in our how to's the, the themes we took from, from, you know, we had all those different, you know, we had, well, 2,400, 2,500 participants and 2,200 combined thoughts and 86,000 rankings. All of those are important and, and they are, uh, they're embedded in the strategic plan they're not necessarily they're embedded in the themes but they're also embedded in our now we've got our themes what do we do with them um and so they become part of the board action plan uh which is the the strategic plan leads uh us tells us and you know as it, you know we changed our title a little bit to our strategic plan for inspiring excellence in learning success in life and community um, and then we took that and we developed the Excel in Learning, Succeed in Life and Enrich Our Communities as our three pillars. And as and each of those pillars and each of those pieces we've talked about this morning um, are, are there are there are uh, action plans for each of those across across the across the different departments. And and they um, and then they integrate, they cross cross uh, pollinate, if you will, across the different departments, so that there is a unification of all those themes right across the board. So, how then do you measure the success? Because that you've described all of the factors, and there seems to be so many moving parts in this. How do you measure so that you hit benchmarks so that you go, okay, we've achieved this or we've achieved that? So it starts it starts at the school level. So every school has a school improvement plan. And without with the school improvement plan, there are class improvement plans. So how does each class, uh, how are they measuring their successes? What are they seeing changes? Um, and as the school has developed what their improvement plan looks like, if they're looking at, uh, we want, uh, you know, we want to imp improve our, our reading skills and our, our math skills. And it's not just EQA based. EQAO is a piece. It's not the be all end all of our assessments. So within a school, what, what are teachers seeing? What are the challenges we still have? And then as, as you have each school plan, then you have uh, those principals and vice principals taking those challenges and those successes to their greater regional plan. And as they meet and talk about what's happening in each of their schools, then they can determine from a holistic standpoint. And, and as you know, we have families of schools and then we can have families of schools conversations that say, okay, this is what this family of school is experiencing. We need to take a look at the successes we've seen and this group is successful in this area. What have they done differently that we can adapt over here? Um, so it is a constantly evolving uh, plan. And we take a look at those. Uh, and, and it will never be the same for every school. It will never be the same for every class. It's a matter of taking a look. And then and then if we've got ha have healthy, happy schools, then we know we're succeeding. 
in as much as the the mental health and well-being of our students is is as important as the reading, writing, and arithmetic that they used to call uh, back in the days, because they're all what makes uh, our assessments a part and, and parcel. When we do our student censuses and we hear students are happy and they know that they have a caring adult in the school, that's just as much as, as success as, uh, as somebody got an A in math and used to get a B. What are the consequences, if any, if these goals don't get met? Well, the consequences, unfortunately, are, are, are the students are not successful, and that's never our goal. Our goal is that we make sure that um, our students can be the best that they can be given their strengths. And we also, in, in a classroom, as you know, we're playing to so many different so many different levels and so many different strengths. And the challenge is how do you reach them all? And so we have we have what we call and we use it a lot in our in our special education uh, languages, but we we it really goes across. We call it tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is good for all. Tier two is good for some, and tier three is good for a few. So the tier three would be those that need added added help, added added uh, resources, etc. But what is what those tier three students are expressing and those type of resources mean that the those are that are in tier two, if we know that those are being are those are helping, then why can we not also uh, bring those down to our our tier two students? Same thing with the tier two. They're not quite all the way. They don't need that one on one, but they've got some challenges. But if it's good for them, then it's good for the whole population. And so by using those those levels, tier one, two, and three, uh, we're able to address uh, all of our students. I appreciate that you've put that in the context of students, but I'm thinking more in terms of the school board and the trustees. How, what are the consequences to you? What, what happens or to the principals and the administration? On that side, what are the consequences if a strategic goal is not met? Well, in, in a big picture, the consequence for trustees are you're not reelected at the next term. That's the biggest consequence um, because parents are unhappy by what they see. Um, they don't they don't see they don't see the vision that you said you're going to you're going to set out and you're going to do. And if it's not evident to parents then we're doing it wrong, if it's not if we can't see if our communities don't see the the efforts we're putting into, then we're not doing something right. What, what's the what's the challenge for uh, administration and principals? Um, then then we need then we need extra help within. So within a school, if a school is struggling, then we're going to send in extra resources. Um, and we and you know we always have the ability to to um, I guess to focus on a particular area if if they're having more of a challenge than somebody else so we we can we can kind of hone in on what's what is a, a challenge and and go in with as much uh with not i won't say with guns a blazing but go in with some extra support to to give them that uh understanding and it's about a shared knowledge um and if we share our knowledge across uh across jurisdictions whether it's uh whether it's our finance department or hr department um, the print shop, our warehousing department, though these priorities that we set forth um, are not just for schools and students. It's really it's really for the whole board. So how does the board 
keep the strategic plan a living guiding document over its term in office? Uh, it's something we talk about every month. We talk about our strategic plan every month at uh, at our board meetings. We have regular updates as to this is what we've done. This is the stream where we focused on and here's, here's where we've seen uh, strides and here are some of the challenge, challenges. And sometimes it may be as much as, as uh, the director or uh, a department saying, um, you know, this is the goal that you set being the that being the, you know, we as board of trustees set, approved the strategic plan. This is the plan that you set and uh, we're having a struggle trying to get there. So sometimes it's as matter as having to ask for more resources. Um, and if we, and we're, we're able to sometimes implement more resources uh, to be able to assist in that area. Jane Klass and Janinga, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was a great opportunity to share with you this morning, Rob. Thanks for having me. That was Jane Klassen-Janinga, chairperson of the Kawartha Pine Ridge District School Board. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.